and let's go. Okay, so we're going to talk about a couple of ideas in this week's parsha, which is Parsha's Lech Lecha. Um, and Lech Lecha is a very foundational parsha because it's the parsha where really we meet Avram Avinu. Um, we know the, the book of Bereshis really is called Sefer Hayasha. And the reason it's called Sefer Hayasha is because it's really the story of the Tzadikim, who are the foundation of the Jewish people. Um, and the first amongst them is Avram, because Avram Avinu and Yitzchak Avinu and Yaakov Avinu, and if his one other great tzaddik that is really takes a central place in Chumash Bereshis would be Yosef, Yosef Atzadik. Um, Yosef is not considered one of the others, but Yosef definitely has a central role in Klal Yisrael. We're called Soin Yosef, and really that's what this Chumash is. The Chumash is the story of the tzaddikim of Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Yosef. And we really meet Avram Avinu in Parshas Lech Lecha in earnest. Though we met him already at the end of last week's Parsha, Avram is born in the end of Parshas Noach. But it just mentions that he's born. That's all he's, he's born and he leaves the, you know, where he came from. But that's it. In the beginning of this week's Parsha, the Torah opens up. And that's if you want to follow on the page that I printed out here. We have the first passage of the Parsha. Hashem Avram. Hashem tells Avram, Lech Lecha, Me'artzecha, Go forth from your land and the place of your birth and the home of your of your father El to the land that I will show you I will make you a great nation I will bless you I will make your name great you shall be a blessing and that is really the first statement of Hashem to the first Jew of Ramavim he says leave leave the land leave where you've been leave where you are Go to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I'll, I'll make your name great. And here, there's an interesting question that a number of the commentators, a number of the Mepharshim, talk about. And that is, there's something somewhat strange about this. Here, Hashem comes to Avram and says, Go, go, and I'll make you great. Who was he? Why doesn't he tell us... Background. He's <laughs> a background. Was he a tzaddik? Was he a great person? Was he a holy person? You know, if you contrast this with Noah, a week ago we started the parsha of Noah. How does the pasuk start? Noah ish tzaddik tamim haya b'derosav esolakimus alach Noah. Noah was a tzaddik. He was complete. He went with Hashem, and therefore Hashem is upset at the world. And he says, Noah, make for yourself an ark, and I'll save you. With Avram, there's nothing. There's nothing by way of introduction. Now. And, and, and here Hashem is giving him the greatest. He says, go there and I'll make you great. And I'll, make your, I'll bless you and I'll make your name great. And I'll give you blessings. So he's giving him all these rewards without giving us any background information whatsoever. And it's not as if there's nothing to talk about. Because at this point, Avram Avinu is already 75 years old. He already went through a number of great tests. Um, the famous test that the Gemara tells us about, the Madrashim tells us about, was the test of Ur Kasdim, where Avram was willing to be thrown into... Uh, the fiery furnace, and, and he was thrown into the fiery furnace and is miraculously saved. So, and, and not only that, Rambam tells us Avram was the first monotheist, and Avram discovered Hashem, and Avram taught, and Avram had uh, Gerim, he had the converse. Even in the beginning of this week's parasha, Hashem says, go together with the people who you converted. Right? Uh, what does it say there? Uh, uh, well, there was a passage there alluding me. It says, Avram went with the, oh, he says, nefesh asher asu He went along with the people that were his uh, bali tshuva or converts. So, so the question is, is an obvious question. Why is there no introduction? Why doesn't it tell us about him? So let's give a yes. That's a great question. 
That's a, a famous question. Um, Avram, Rambam says he had thousands of converts. Um, and, and we don't know what happened with any of his Talmudim or Yitzchaks or Yaakovs. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov were great teachers and great leaders. And yet, at the end of the day, only Yaakov's 70 descendants come to Egypt and they become the foundation of the Jewish people. So Avram definitely brought monotheism to many and he, he definitely inspired many, but they never joined, uh, joined the family as, as the new religion, so to speak. So he had followers and he had people that he affected, but the, the nation of Kuala Yisrael was going to come from their descendants, from their actual descendants of Yaakov Avinu. Um, I, I'm going to say there's no, that's sort of a mystery. But it's, it's something that's talked about, that there, there were students and there were disciples, followers, but it was more, um, I guess it was more of a uh, ide idealistic thing, more than becoming part of the actual new nation. Okay, so let's give a quick look at some of the Mepharshim. I know Avram mentioned a few times, went a little bit looking different Mepharshim. So I have here some quotes here. We'll start from the Ramban. The Ramban is Nachmanides, one of the great commentators to the Torah. Um, and I, I quoted some bits and pieces, I'm not going to read everything. But he says, He says, in this parsha is not fully explained. What's the reason that Hashem tells a man, leave your land, and I'll give you great blessings that are unparalleled in the world? And the Torah doesn't even preface it doesn't tell us he was a servant of God, that he was a tzaddik, that he was complete. It doesn't even say a reason why he should leave the land. It just says leave. It should say, Perhaps it should say that by going to the other land, you'll be closer to Hashem. None of that. So Ramban Nachmanides is wondering, what's the reason for this? And he offers the following. He says, and again, I read, Aval Hatam. The reason is, The men of Urkastim did much evil to Avram because, because of his faith, because of belief in Hashem. He escaped from them, to leave the land, to go to the end, the land of Canaan. But he was held up in Choron. And therefore, Amr Loy Lazev Gam Elu Hashem says, just continue. Just continue on your journey of leaving all these people. Do what you initially thought. To go to the land of Canaan to serve Hashem. Call out the people in the name of Hashem, Beres and Evcheres in the chosen land. That's what's going on behind the scenes, says the Rambam. Um, Avram was attacked. Avram was. Uh, People did back to him because of his belief. So Hashem says, just leave this place. They're not good for you. And go to the other place. So why didn't the Torah tell us about this? Says the Ramban. The Torah didn't want to get into, it didn't want to spend, uh, get into any lengthy explanation about the, the, the idolaters or the idol worshippers. The Torah doesn't want to get into the um, uh, what's the word the, the uh, discussions the philosophical debates between Avram and the uh, idol worshippers. Just like the Torah doesn't go into detail about the idolatry of the of the generation of Enosh, um, that they began concepts of idolatry. So that's what the Ramban says. Basically, the Ramban's answer is. The Torah doesn't want to get into idolatry. It doesn't want to talk about the idealistic or the philosophical. 
um, I'm, I'm not idealistic, ideological, ideological or philosophical arguments between Avram and the other idol worshippers of the time. All, all Hashem says is just get out of there. You know, that's a bad place, it's bad people. Get out of there and we'll talk business in Eretz That's what the Ramban says. Um, which, you know, the Ramban is the Ramban, and what he says stands uh, on its own merits. Yet, many of the Mepharshim are not fully um, satisfied with this answer because it still could have said that this was a tzaddik. Just, just, you know, a couple of words. This was a great man. This was a tzaddik. This was a servant of Hashem. So, for example, you have Rabbeinu Bachaye, who's also um, a Rishon. Rabbeinu Bachaye actually saw himself as a disciple of the Ramban. Um, I think historically he was more of a disciple of the Rashba, but he was in that era, you know, some, I don't know, 700 years ago or so. So he writes, Vida, ki kodem sheyaskir hakosuv vayomer Hashem al Avram, before the verse says that Hashem comes to Avram, hoyeroi lohidiyanu ma'aloisa v'umidaisov. It should, it would have been appropriate that the Torah should give us his ma'alois, his, his greatness, his midos, kideshen nakir mihu, so we should understand who he is. And then it should say what Hashem told him. That's what was, that's the way it was by Noah. So Rabbeinu Bechaye is asking really the same question as Ramban. Why didn't the Torah tell us who this man is? And he suggests, he offers, but we can say, that really, his greatness was already alluded to in the parsha. Beremez, in a hinting, it was hinted to. Bemilas Ur Kasdim. Where did the name Ur Kasdim come from? So Rabbeinu Bachai says that there's no place really called Ur Kasdim. The Ur is the fire of that fiery furnace that Avram was thrown into for Mesiros Nefesh, as in his uh, total uh, dedication to Hashem, even to put his life on the line. So he says that being that the Torah says that he's coming from Ur Kasdim, that alludes to the great Messiris Nefesh, the act of self-sacrifice that he did by allowing himself to be thrown into that fire. That is Rabbeinu Bechayi's answer. And again, there are those who say, but still, that's a hint. <laughs> he still could have said, he was a tzaddik, it's not that hard. He was a tummim. He was a servant of Hashem. Rabbeinu Bechayi says it's alluded to, it's hinted to. So I have one more source here from the Abarbanel. The Abarbanel was Reb, uh, Don Isaac Abarbanel, the great leader of the Jews of Spain during the Spanish expulsion. Right? He's the one who led the Jews out of Spain. He's one of the great ministers of the king. Uh, in fact, he was, I think, uh, what, was the, what was the king then? Ferdin, Ferdinand, Ferdinand. and uh, Isabella. Right? So they actually offered him asylum because he was such an important prince. They offered him to stay and be in his palace and even keep a minion. But he said, no, if the Jews are leaving, I'm leaving with them. And in fact, he left penniless. He was the one who led the procession out of Spain on Tisha B'av, And he made the halachic ruling that on that Tisha B'av they can go out with music. And they left, he said, we're going on Messiris Nefesh. Um, you have, uh, what's the number that they give? Uh, was it over a million? Or is it half a million? I don't remember. But the Jews that just left Spain left everything behind. He said, this is the ultimate Messiris Nefesh for Hashem. And therefore, he said, he gave that ruling, they left with music, and it was one of the tragedies of the Jewish people. But he, the Abarbanel's the Pirush, if anyone has ever um, learned some Abarbanel, he, the way he writes is he'll ask 15 or 20 questions on the Parsha, and then give one lengthy explanation, and comes back to it and sort of answers everything in different ways. So, um, if I would quote the whole Abarbanel on this piece, that would be a number of pages itself. So I just, I just zoomed into one piece, which is, Hashayla Hadalid. 
he, again, he builds over 20 questions in the beginning of this parsha, And he says, the fourth question is, that Hashem says, I'll make you to a great nation. Why did Hashem promise Abraham all this goodness? What great merit did he have? That because of this, he was given all this reward. The Pasuk did not mention anything about the Sidkas, the, the greatness, the righteousness of Aram. As the Torah did by Noach. Hashem didn't explain. It didn't say this is because of the service you're going to do. And again, so Barbanel also points to the, mis- the mystery surrounding these Pesukim. No answer. So, no, no. And later he, he talks and talks, but he, he doesn't clearly answer this question. So basically we have, this is a great mystery in the beginning of the Parsha. Um, again, Ramban gave his idea that the Torah doesn't want to deal with the idolatrous explanations. That's one idea. Rabbeinu Bahaye talked about the idea that um, that it's alluded to. Ur Kasdim is an allusion to the story of the fire, the story of Musiris Nefesh. Abrabanel makes mention of the question as well. And this remains a mystery in the Parsha with different ways of dealing with it. What I want to share with you tonight is a Hasidic explanation to this, uh, something that the Rebbe discusses in his writings based on the writings primarily of the Balatanya and going back to the Balshemtov. And he says that really what we have over here is a very foundational lesson about Yiddishkeit, about a Yid, about a Jew. Because, you'll remember as we said at the beginning, Avram Avinu is the very first Jew. He represents the beginning of Yiddishkeit. Even though Noach was a tzaddik, but he was not considered a Jew. By no account is Noach considered a Jew. Avram is considered um, the beginning, Reishis Ha'uma, the beginning of our nation of Judaism. And therefore... Shein ben Noach, if anything, was an even greater tzaddik. And Noach was also not. Also not, right. Now, there were many great people, and, and righteous people, and holy people, and people who were actually conversed with Hashem. So we're talking about great righteous people. And yet Judaism begins from Avram Avinu, um, whether one is born a Jew, whether one is a, con- a convert, when a convert famously is called Ben Avram Avinu, because Avram is the beginning of Judaism. Now, says, and the Rebbe explains to the following, he says, what is unique about the relationship, the connection of a Jew with Hashem? The, and what's unique about it really is that it's not based on what the person did or didn't do. Right? What creates that a person is Jewish? That he has a neshama. And as we say in our davening, Ubanu Bacharta, there is a choice, a, a, a choice that Hashem chooses a yid. So you have one yid that's very, very righteous and learns a lot of Torah and does a lot of mitzvahs and is a wonderful Jew. And you have another Jew that unfortunately is very not righteous and doesn't learn Torah and doesn't do mitzvahs. Is one of them more Jewish than the other? No. Does one count more for the minion than the other? No. Though this is a great Talmud Chacham and respected and knowledgeable and wonderful and inspirational, and the other one is <laughs> whatever. But nevertheless, when it comes to what makes one a Jew or doesn't make one a Jew, it do, it's not based on the human experience, not based on what we did for it and what we earned. Now, of course, we should try to earn whatever we are. We should try to be better people. But ultimately, the essence of our Yiddishkeit is that Hashem pulled us out and said, Ubanu Bacharta, you're going to be my nation. Says, says Hasidus, that's the answer to this mystery. The Dafka by Avram, it doesn't say, oh, he was a great tzaddik, he was a wonderful man. Of course he was. 
But what the Torah is trying to tell us is that what made Avram the first Jew is that Hashem chose him. And Hashem says, regardless of who you are or what you did or what you accomplished, I'm choosing you to be mine. And that's going to become the symbol of the first Jew and every Jew for all of history. I don't recall that we have the same lack of praise for Yitzhak and Yaakov. I'm sorry? Yitzhak and Yaakov, is there the same lack of so again, praise? Avram is also praised later. But as far as the, when, when he's brought into the picture, our introduction to him is by Yomar Hashem El Avram Lech Lecha. He says, you come to me, you're going to be mine. That's how it begins. Now, th there's no lack of praise for Avram throughout the Chumash or for Yitzhak or for Yaakov. What we're talking about is what made him who he was, was Uvanu Vacharta. And the same is how we look at every Yid. Of course, we appreciate value of people, but we recognize that what makes us who we are is above and beyond what we do and therefore is unlimited and not conditional. Like today, you know, today I'm not feeling that Jewish. I'm just not inspired, so I'm not that Jewish. That, you know, I, you might not be inspired, it might not be a good day, but I'm not less Jewish than yesterday. And the same is when it comes to doing a mitzvah. Sometimes I'll think, what's the value of just doing it? I'm not inspired. I'm, I'm not up to it today. I'm not really in a good place. I'm not today in a spiritual soul. Is there value in just doing a mitzvah? The answer is yes. Because if Yiddishkeit will be predicated on our experience and where we're holding and what we're up to, then, well, if, if today's a bad day, maybe I'll do mitzvahs tomorrow. I'll put on tefillin tomorrow when I'm inspired. But if we understand that our relationship to Hashem is not based on our experience, but rather on Hashem's zuvano v'acharta, the same is with every mitzvah. Um, the value of a mitzvah is because Hashem said, if you do this, you connect to me. Whether or not you're inspired at the moment, whether or not you're up to it, that's the value of a mitzvah. And that's why dafka avram, not like Noah. Noach is not a Jew. So Noach is based on the value of his experience. Yeah, he was a great man. Oh, then he deserves to be saved. Avram, it's not based on the value of his experience. That is the Hasidic um, interpretation or answer to that seeming mystery that all of these Rishonim are dealing with of the lack of that praise for Avram Avinu because of the ideas we mentioned. Okay, we can go further on that, but I want to I want to try to cover another point or two. So let's move on, and we'll find a very similar idea in the end of this week's parsha. And that's the second part on the page. Perik Yud Zayin, Pasi Yud Bezin Yud Gimel. Um, in the end of this week's parsha, we have the great first mitzvah given to a Jew, which is the mitzvah of bris milah, the mitzvah of, um, of a circumcision, which is at the end of this parsha, where Hashem tells Avram the mitzvah of milah, the mitzvah of circumcision. Um, personally, it's very exciting for me just right now because tomorrow um, I'm going to be in by a bris of a nephew of mine who was born to my sister who lives in Skokie. And not only that, but um, as of tonight, I heard that I'm going to be the Sandak by that bris tomorrow, uh, hold the baby, which is um, a very important part of the bris. So when I'm learning about bris in this week's parsha, I feel especially connected to it right now. So the Pasuk says, again, in the last section of this week's parsha, and here you have the Pasuk in front of you, um, At eight days old, you shall circumcise every male. And then the Pasuk goes on to say, This covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Now, what is uniquely different about the mitzvah of bris and every other mitzvah that we have, that's in the actual words of the Pasuk, that it's a mitzvah performed with an eight-day-old child, a child who has no understanding and has no ability to say yes or no. Um, and it's a mitzvah that's done, it's done to the child. The child really has very little participation um, aside from the fact that it's being done to him. But the child has no seichel, has no das, we know. When it comes to all the mitzvahs of the Torah, a katan is not obligated in any mitzvah because, uh, as the Gemara says, katan ain't by das, doesn't have 
the knowledge and the wisdom to make such type of a decision. And this central mitzvah is done dafka with the child when the child is not, doesn't have wisdom. Which leads to an interesting debate that the Medrash tells us about, and that's in the next line here. It's a Medrash in next week's parsha, a debate between Yitzchak and Yishmael, the two sons of Avram Avinu. And Yitzchak and Yishmael were debating, they say, who's greater than whom? Says the Medrash. Yitzchak and Yishmael were debating one with the other. Zeoimer, one said, and that is Yishmael, I'm more beloved than you. I had a bris when I was 13 years old, because Yishmael was 13 when Hashem gave the mitzvah of bris. Vizalimir Yitzchak responds, No. Chaviv I'm more beloved than you. Shinimalti because I was circumcised when I was eight days old. That's the medrash, and it's a cryptic medrash, as medrashim will be. And the question is, what was the logic of this argument? Yishmael's logic is pretty understood. He said, You know, I made a decision to have a bris. I was 13 years old. Halachically, I have the right to decide the ability. So the bris is, a, is you know, it's 10 points to me. You were a baby. No one asked you. And was he, what's Yitzchak's response? No, no, no. I'm more beloved because I ate a bris when I'm eight days old. What, what's the logic in his response? And so really, what's that debate about? And what, what is it about mitzvah of bris milah that we dafka do when one is eight days old? And without, without I'm going into to, uh, to any lengthy explanation, the idea is very connected to the idea that we read in the beginning of the parsha about Lech Lecha. Because bris is a covenant between Hashem and us. That covenant is based on what? If the covenant that we make with Hashem is based on our decision and our intellect, then one day we can say, you know what? Eh, I'd rather not. If it's going to be based, if the covenant that we see between us and Hashem is based on our wisdom and our deciding and our making a good decision, then it's a limited covenant. It's a covenant based on logic and therefore it's only as good as logic and will last as long as my logic will hold. The concept of bris milah to eight days old dafka is saying that our relationship to Hashem is not based on our logic. It's not based on let's, you know, let, let the child grow up and make a decision and then if the child will decide, you know, and that's in today's world that you'll hear that a lot, you know, you know, how can you t- decide if the child is a boy or a girl? Let them grow up and they'll, they'll decide on their own, right? Today's world is, you make the decisions. We're not going to tell you what to do. But the terrorist says, no, Hashem created the world and Hashem created certain boundaries. And he did create something called male and female. And he also created something called a Jew. And he created something called a covenant. And that covenant is not based on your seichel. And that was the debate between Yishmael and Yitzchak. Yishmael said, my covenant with Hashem is more meaningful because I decided to have it. Yitzchak said, mine is more meaningful because I didn't decide. It was decided for me. That's the way Hashem created me. And that's why this, the mitzvah of covenant, dafka, is a mitzvah that is based on something of, 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 um, differently than all the other mitzvahs that we have. So we specifically do the covenant to the child before there is wisdom and understanding, um, say, saying or showing or expressing that our relationship to Hashem is not limited on our decision and our seichel and our feeling and our appreciation of it, but rather Hashem says that's the way it is and that's the way it is from when the child is born. We wait just eight days because um, you just wait until the child has to be um, old enough to, for safety reasons. But uh, otherwise it's really from birth that this, that this begins. So that's as far as that. And now we have a couple minutes left. I want to try to hop around. Um, in the last part of the page, 
I have, being that the bris milah is the first mitzvah, and it's the first mitzvah that every person does, and it's the first mitzvah that the first Jew received, so bris milah obviously has a number of very central messages to Torah and mitzvahs in general, for all Torah and mitzvahs. So I have here four basic points about bris milah and why that is so indicative and, and central to all Torah and mitzvahs. Number one, what's unique about the bris? That it's a mitzvah that's actually evident in the human body. Right? It's something done to the human body. It's, it's Roshan. It's, it's, uh, what's the word Roshan in English? It's, uh, impression is, is left in the physical body. And that's a central idea. Really, every mitzvah we do affects our body. It makes, brings spirituality and holiness into our body and brings Kedusha into us. Why is bris so central? Because there we're able to actually see physically how it leaves that impression on the body. But again, this becomes a mitzvah that um, expresses that that idea is true for everything. Every mitzvah that we do has a, a spiritual impact on our bodies and even in the physical things with which we do the mitzvah. Number two, bris has physical advantages. That's the reason why millions and millions or billions of people get bris. Right? People, uh, the, the fact that uh, in America, I mean, most people get a bris not because it's Esau in the Torah. Bris has physical advantages, yet we don't do it because of the physical advantage. We do it because of the spiritual advantage, which is infinitely greater than the physical advantage. And that's the covenant with Hashem. And the same is with all the mitzvahs of the Torah. All the mitzvahs of the Torah have physical advantages. We do them, they're good for us. And yet the spiritual advantage is so much greater. And the ultimate reason why we do any mitzvah is because of the spiritual advantage and not because of the physical advantage. Okay, point three. Where, where bris is a central theme, central idea. When you do the bris, the child cries. Why does the child cry? Because the child doesn't appreciate what's going on, feels he's hurting, and the child also doesn't know, how, you know what's happening. And they think, who knows what? It might be the end. And the child's only eight days old. It's hard, I can't go into the mind of the child. But suddenly he's feeling pain. Now, we, the adult, know that the pain is minuscule. We're leaving, it's a drop of blood. And the child doesn't realize that yet. When the child will grow up, the child will realize, no big deal. And the child will do it for their child because they'll recognize that the pain that they felt was very minuscule. They were never in danger. And it was a pain that was well worth it. And the same is for any pain that we ever feel involved in any mitzvah. Sometimes it might be difficult, it might be painful, it might be expensive. That pain is like the pain of that child, which is just because of a lack of understanding, a lack of seeing the whole picture, and ultimately it's not there to cause us any pain. Rather, it's a pain that's well worth it in order to get the much greater gain that this mitzvah brings. And finally, I'll finish with one last point. The Gemara says in Mesech the Shabbos, that bris milah was accepted with simcha and with mesiris nefesh. Um, the Pasuk says, and Tehillim David HaMelech says, Sas anochi alim rasecha. He says, I rejoiced with the mitzvah of bris milah. And additionally, the Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, that bris milah was a mitzvah that always we were moser nefesh for. We would do mesiris nefesh, even when it was in danger, even when it was commanded that in times of the Hanukkah and other times that we, or in the Romans, we weren't allowed to do the bris milah, we went on mesiris nefesh. Says the Gemara that bris milah is a mitzvah to be accepted with simcha and with mesiris nefesh. And that becomes a central thing that all mitzvahs a yid is supposed to accept with the simcha of the, the knowledge that we have um, the tremendous chus, that we have these mitzvahs of Hashem in every mitzvah, we should accept with the same simcha like bris milah, and with mesiris nefesh, if necessary, total devotion and dedication, and that's dafke in bris milah, which again represents all the other mitzvahs for all these points that we made over here. It's a couple of points on lech lecha and bris milah from this week's parsha, parsha's lech lecha. <coughs>
Very good. So the bris is done, only mitzvah done to 